Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show exists to help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Okay, so this is the last episode that I'm going to be recording in the UK. Um, If you don't know, I've been in the UK for almost four weeks now, um, working uh, part-time. I've taken a lot of time off, but I've also been working, and um, it's been amazing. It's such a... We... we, uh, I have my in-laws are British and they live in the northern part of England, a place called Yorkshire. And it is a gorgeous place. Um, it's amazing kind of getaway. And it's been ridiculously, outrageously reinvigorating and refreshing. Um, and actually, that's kind of the topic for today's episode. Like, I, I feel so refreshed and so in touch with... Um, a healthy state of mind that I wanted to do an episode that's kind of about um, mental health, uh, about the long game, about taking care of yourself, about um, how to avoid burning out uh, and, uh, and, and you know, quitting the race, so to speak. And so that's what this episode's about. This episode is going to be like the last episode, um, well, two episodes ago, which is kind of behind the scenes. I'm going to record it all in one go. We might have some interruptions. You might hear some kids screaming in the background, people talking about cups of tea and and crumpets. That's true. These are things, these are the discussions that we're having uh, (laughs) while we're here. A lot of tea. There's, you know, in Yorkshire, they mostly drink tea and uh, and, and beer. There's not a lot, there's not a lot of water, it seems. kind of a stereotype but it's also kind of true um but anyway so you might hear the action in the background we got a full house here today not not danny and joey and jesse but andrew and linda and and sophie and (laughs) so you might hear some of that stuff so that's the kind of episode we're going to have today it's going to be um authentic and i and the other reason i wanted to not overdo this episode is because although I will be bringing my um, you know I have no option but to bring my ADHD along for the ride so there will be tangents there will be weirdness there will be silliness but um, that definitely parts of this episode are just deeply on my heart this is kind of a uh, an episode as much from my head as it is from my heart um, because I think this topic is uh Timely, important, um, means a lot to me, and I take it really seriously um, because it's it's about y- your life, uh, your real life. You know, th- this episode, the heart of this episode is, you know, they say life is like a marathon, not a sprint. Like you can't, you know, uh, if you burn too bright, you'll burn too quickly kind of thing um and you need to take care of yourself and pace yourself and and t- and and take care of your mental health and all that well i think in the same way i've been while i've been here i've kind of been uh ruminating on this idea that just like life is more like a marathon 
than a sprint that I think your creative career is more like a mural than it is a postcard. Um, you know, life is, your creative career should be this giant masterpiece of work um, that takes a lifetime to create and, uh, and, and not a little tiny postcard. And when you treat your creative career like a postcard, you get into all kinds of trouble. Um, you know, it's really easy to design a meticulously perfect postcard because it's really small. And it's really easy um, to compare your mural, uh, your creative career mural, um, to other people's postcards, to other people's little victories and get discouraged. And, um, you know, when it comes to murals, you know, I've never done a mural that didn't have some significant uh, mistakes in it. Um, but it's actually, you know, murals are so big and there's so much room and there's so much, uh, you know, ability to paint over things and fix things in the process that um, your mistakes and your failures they're not that big of a deal. Whereas if it's just a little postcard, every kind of pixel needs to be in place. And so uh, today's episode is just talking to you, talking to you about um, shifting your perspective, remembering that your creative career is a, is a giant mural that's going to take your entire life uh, to work through and not a postcard. And I want to just give you a few different shifts in your thinking that can help you stay in the game over the long haul and uh, finish your masterpiece and uh, not get hung up on all the obstacles that can stop you, all the obstacles that um, where you get confused and start thinking that you're working on a postcard and all kinds of problems happen when you're doing that, when you're trying to sprint in a marathon. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search in the making in your podcast player to listen. 
Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. You know, the the reason I wanted to make this episode uh, is there's a lot of reasons. One is stepping back and taking some time off is not something I like to do. Uh, you know, it really has to do with my ADHD, if I'm honest. Um, and I'm sure a lot of you that don't have ADHD get sick of me talking about ADHD. And I know that a lot of people think that ADHD is a joke. It's not. Uh, it's a real, genuine, everyday struggle for uh, me and probably for other people that have it. Um, and one of the things about ADHD is that, and, and you know, I think there's a spectrum of this. So like you might have some similar qualities, um, but these are like massive, massive things for me. So for me, one of the things is boredom is like severe pain. It's like physical pain. And I know that sounds, I can't imagine what that must sound like if you don't experience life that way. But for me, um, but most of my drive has actually come from avoiding boredom, like the fear of being in a job that was severely boring. Like that sounds like a life sentence. It's, I might as well be in prison, honestly. Um, and so, uh, you know, so my whole life that that's the drive. And, um, and because of that, I have clung to the things that, uh, really are invigorating to me that are the opposite of boredom and one of the things is creative stuff making stuff that's always fun and so I really like the work that I do I like staying busy I don't like um long periods of kind of not really having stuff to work at and it keeps my mind busy it keeps me engaged it keeps me not bored and so I avoid taking time off like the plague and I uh and so, which is not a good thing, obviously, right? And that's part of the reason I'm doing this episode is that as I've been taking time off and I've taken probably more time off in the past four weeks than I ever have as an adult, um, I'm seeing the dramatic positive impact that it's had on my mental health, but also on my art. The art that I have made while I'm here has probably been my favorite stuff that I've made in the entire year. And I feel like I'm back on track in my illustration, um, in the style that I want to be working, in the stuff that I want to be making, um, and more squarely in the middle of my purpose as a creative person. Um, and it, I feel like I've gotten so much perspective uh, from this step stepping back and, uh, and, and not treating my creative career like a sprint. And that's part of the inspiration for this episode. Another part of it is, um, you know, I've talked to a lot of creatives online and in person. And, um, one of the things that has just become really apparent to me is the fragility of humanity, but also just the fragility of creative people, especially, you know, I think, um, one of the things that I'm aware of is that if I go out and have a, a drink with a friend or a coffee or whatever, and I start getting into this um, social mode, uh, I react so differently to social circumstance than what uh, we would call civilians, non-creative people, <laughs> you know, people that aren't predisposed to creative pursuits. Um, 
I take everything so much more dramatically. Uh, I feel, you know, there's a Feist song called I Feel It All. That is me. I feel it. I feel life. I feel all the feelings all the time. And I feel the, 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 you know, the depth and the existential uh, crisis of every engagement and moment in life and death all in one cup of coffee or all in one pint of beer. Um, I'm thinking about uh, the point of life and, and, and the desperation to stay alive and and what <laughs> and how important relationships are and and how sad it is that, you know, all the just all the sadness and I'm experiencing all all of this while uh, other people are just watching the World Cup. And, uh, and, I, and I'm just, I've just become keenly aware through my conversations and my own experience over the past four weeks that um, you know, the creative mind and, and creative people are, tend to be more sensitive and fragile. And, uh, and, it, and that's why it becomes even more important for us to take care of ourselves, take care of our mental state, because the truth is, this is uh, this fragility is a curse, in a way, uh, and it can lead to lots of tragedy. But it's ultimately uh, the our greatest gift. It is the reason why you know it, it's the artist's job to observe and and feel these profound feelings in a deeper way than your everyday man so that you can reflect it back and process it and highlight the important parts of life remind people uh, that life matters to um you know bring us back to these existential ideas and um and the reason we can do the creative work that we do is that fragility and so it's the thing that could possibly destroy our ability to stick around and and make stuff um but it's also the thing that is the key to our greatest work and so you know as i'm just talking to people and just feeling you know sometimes i just feel the weight of being a creative person um doing this podcast sometimes i just i worry about me and i worry about you i worry about you guys i really do um you know, and so that's what this episode's about. And then, you know, another part of it is I was, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts over the past week or so, um, getting back into my podcast game and, uh, and also reading some articles. And I listened to this interview with Larry King and, uh, and he was talking about how, you know, professionally he's got a room in his house that is just covered in his wards and trophies. Um, professionally, he has made his mark, knocked it out of the freaking park. Uh, and, but personally, you know, he's had three failed marriages and, and all kinds of different, uh, destruction and, and, uh, and failure. And to me, that feels like someone who thinks they're working on a postcard when they're really working on a mural, you know, they're deeply invested in this one part of the artwork while the other part of the artwork is just a complete, uh, in complete shambles. And, uh, and I, and I want to, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to have my life, um, you know, to live part of my life like a sprint and, and ultimately lose the race. Uh, and I was listening to also, I read this interview with Johnny Depp 
for Rolling Stone, and it's a similar case of a creative person that um, treats his mural like a like a postcard. So that's all the inspiration behind it. Um, here's what I want to do. I just want to give you three things that have helped me uh, make better murals. And they all have lessons about how to uh, make a better creative career and and treat your creative career um, the way that you would a big piece of artwork that's going to take a long time that you have to have longevity for. Um, And and I just want to tell you three things that have been on my mind that have really helped me recently um, get back to that right perspective. Um, So the first one is is step back slash step away. So what does this mean? So I'm going to talk to you about, I've done a bunch of murals. Um, I've been lucky enough to do a bunch of murals in my 10 years of as being an illustrator. Uh, I do this project called color me with my uh, best buddy, Andrew Nyer. He's a designer and product designer. And uh, you, you should go follow him at Andrew Nyer on Instagram. <laughs> That's N-E-Y-E-R. I'm always promoting him because he's a freaking creative genius. And, uh, and uh, not enough people know about his great products and work. You won't regret it. Go check him out. Um, we do this project together, if you don't know, called Color Me. Redraw. So here's what happened. I, man, I'm trying not to go back to the womb. So many of my stories I start telling, I'm like, when I was 18, well, no, you really need to know about when I was seven. Well, there's actually some key information that happened when I was uh, seven months old, and we're going to have to go back there. <laughs> I'm going to try not to do that here. But I'll just say that um, I created the Indie Rock Coloring Book. It was uh, before adult coloring books were really a thing. They hadn't caught on. I didn't really know about any adult coloring books when I created that. Um, And it was one of the most successful things that I've ever done, even up to this day. Uh, My friend, my boy, Andrew Nyer, saw the Indie Rock coloring book and wanted to take the adult coloring experience to his gallery in Cincinnati. And so he said, why don't we collaborate on a mural that's basically a giant coloring sheet. And I was like, dude, that's amazing. And the public can come colored in. And, uh, and he, then he thought, well, this is how much of a creative wizard he is. Um, he thought, since it's a giant coloring sheet, they shouldn't just be using regular sized markers. They should be using giant markers. And I was like, yeah, that sounds incredible. Um, if we had a, <laughs> if we had magic or knew any wizards or genies, I definitely would wish one of those wishes on giant markers for this show. And he's like, no, just come tomorrow and I'll, I'll have them. I'll make them overnight. And I came the next day and he had these five foot giant uh, markers for people to color in the mural. And so we, that, we did that show in Cincinnati. We ended up doing it um, in Indianapolis and Columbus, Ohio, Columbus, Indiana, both the Columbuses that I've lived in, uh, New York City, Stockholm, Sweden, San Francisco, all over the freaking shop. And we're not slowing down. We got, um, we're, we've booked one in Las Vegas later this year. Uh, got some other interesting ones brewing. Um, so anyway, that's called The Color Me Show. And in that show, um, I've learned, you know, one of the things we do is to keep it, to keep the cost down. 
we don't design the mural ahead of time. We just show up uh, and we make the mural right there on the spot. And over the years, we've been doing this thing since 2011, uh, we've learned a ton about how to make these murals the best they can be. And I think if you look at the first mural all the way to the one that we just created, you can see some really dramatic progress in just learning what it takes to, to make an artwork of this size. And uh, the first one that is something that we just do instinctively now is step back and step away. Is that, you know, one of the things that I notice in my, and that just means, so obvious, it's obvious, right? You know what I mean by that. It means that you can get, when you're drawing on a wall, your nose is like right up against the wall and you are failing to see the big picture, right? Like you are essentially working on a postcard size piece uh, on this giant, you know, 30 foot wall and you can't really, um, you can't get too stuck into that little point because you're going to overwork it. You're going to miss the composition of the greater piece. You're going to, uh, you're ultimately going to um, fail at making a great mural if your if your nose is touching the wall. And so, what you'll see us do all the time is um, draw a little bit, step back, take a big look at it, and then after you know, once we're stuck in, we'll do three, five, eight hours on the wall and eventually we'll work ourselves into a place where we can't really even, even from stepping back, we can't even really take in what the mural looks like. If you're a creative of any kind, you've got to be able to relate to this idea that, um, you know, you get into, uh, making a piece of work and, uh, just drinking some coffee. This is the behind the scenes episode. I didn't slurp into the microphone as I used to in the early days of creative pep talk. If you don't, if you've only been a pepperoni for a little bit of time, uh, you won't remember me doing that. I got a lot of hate mail for the slurping anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, so if you're creative of any kind, you're going to know that there's times when you're making something that you've been, you, you know, your face has been so close to the wall. You've been so into the artwork making this thing that you've really lost your ability to see it at all. And this is just a creative tip. Uh, one of the things that blows my mind is what sleeping on it does. And the next day I come back and this thing that I thought was a total turd ends up being something that I'm like, man, this is so freaking awesome. And I can see, you know, and all of a sudden the things that are maybe wrong with it become really apparent and I can fix them like in three seconds. Um, I don't know why that is. I'd like to believe that it has something to do with our uh, our subconscious and our dreams. I know that um, when you when you sleep, that your subconscious works on problems from your day. So like. If you'll notice that like when you're playing a video game, you can try like 50 times to jump over the boulder uh, or jump over the gap in the boulders and not be able to pull it off. And then you sleep in the next day and you do it in the first try. Well, that happens in your creative work, but it also happens in your creative career. And so, uh, you know, the first thing I think you got to do is you got to you got to give your space yourself space to step back. You got to slow it down. You can't just, you know, I'll, this Part of the reason I want to do this episode is I love you guys too much <laughs> to uh, to let you stay the way you are to be, to just you know say you know there's a Buddhist saying that um, I think gets out of context all the time 
I've talked about on the show before. It's this idea that um, the quickest way to success is to redefine it as what you already have. And I think that there's some contentment in there. There's some good ideas in there. But ultimately, I'm glad that, uh, you know, young Martin Luther King Jr. didn't 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 decide success on his mission was um, where things already were when he was 20 or uh, same for Gandhi or, or whoever you want to say. Like, I'm glad that they didn't have that kind of uh, apathy about their mission. And I show up every week to do this podcast to kind of push you to be like, don't define success as what you already have. Don't stay where you are. Don't, you know, for the good of the of the life of future you, you know, keep pushing yourself, keep working. And I believe that that's a big part of my worldview. But then, um, you know, I want to do this episode just to balance because sometimes I go out there and I talk to these creative people and I can just feel their exhaustion. And I'm just like, ah, man, I'm not trying to encourage people to uh, never step back and never step away. And uh, it's been so healing this past couple weeks um and i and it's been i feel like i was working so hard and making so much work that i was just getting my nose closer and closer and closer to the wall and i was making stuff that i didn't really want to make that i'd lost the perspective and in the british terms i'd lost the plot if you will i completely lost a sense of who I was, what did I want to be doing? What do I want my artwork to look like? What do I want my portfolio to look like? Um, and, and stepping back and just taking a broader look and, and quit treating my, uh, career like a postcard and more like a mural. And I had so much breakthrough. And so I just want to encourage you, is there a way, do you need to take a break from making stuff? Is there a way that you can push pause for a little while? And especially if you've been, climbing up that mountain for a long time and you're not seeing the progress that you want to see, sometimes the most productive thing you can do is to stop production. You know, there's this idea, I think in America, especially that we're like, you know, if we can work 14 hour days, then that's going to be best case scenario. But the truth is I found that often if I spend seven hours working really hard and, and seven hours resting, the work that I get done in seven hours is 10 times more and 10 times better than working a 14 hour shift. And uh, so the first thing I want to just say, can you, is there any way you can step back um, from your piece of work, even for a day, even for an afternoon and just, just take a look, take it in, look backwards. You know, one of the things that, um, that I've done in the past, this is a little bit tactical. You know, I like to get a little tactical, tactical, practical, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, I get tactical. I like to get tactical on the show. One of the things that has helped me step back is do a board on Pinterest. Um, and because I'm a visual artist, if you're a musician, it might be a playlist, um, whatever it is and gather all the work that I've ever done that I'm really stoked about. You know, sometimes I can get into a way it still happens. You know, I go through seasons right now where I'll be so freaking jazzed about the work that I make and then seasons where I'm like, I am the worst. Everything I've ever made is the worst crap and I hate it. And this happens in a day sometimes, um, let alone over a lifetime. And so one of the things that really helps me when I've lost that perspective is to make a little collection of work that I've made that feels really authentic, 
feels like I I was achieving what I want to achieve as an artist that, um, you know, the work where, you know, one thing I think about a lot is if you discovered your portfolio and you'd never seen any of that artwork, would it blow you away? And if not, why not? Why aren't you trying to make stuff like that? You know, I think about the stuff I'm making right now. I wish I could show Andy in 2005 because he'd be crapping his pants like, whoa, I can't believe that I can make stuff like that. I never thought in a million years that I'd be able to make stuff that I'm making right now. And uh, one of the things that helps to take a step back is literally put, you know, 10 pieces of illustration over the past 10 years, you know, the, the long term, the marathon that really feel like I've, I hit what I'm the target that I was trying to hit and, and just compare it and just look for the patterns. Like, what is it about these pieces? You know, I did that recently with the podcast artwork. Um, I felt like with the podcast artwork that my head, my face was, um, too close to the mural and I was getting too focused on the individual pieces and, you know, whatever I wanted to make for them and, and, pushing the boundaries and all that crap. And I look back over, and I think I picked up my creative pep talk calendar from last year. Um, well, this year's calendar. And I was looking through it and I just, there was like three or four pieces that was like, you know what? Those are the creative pep talk pieces. Those feel like exactly how I want the podcast to feel, how I want the brand to feel. And uh, I want to rein it in and go make stuff in that vein. In the past Three pieces I've done for the podcast have been inspired by that stepping back, and I'm so much happier with them. They're right in line with that, with the way that I want the podcast to feel. So if you're a visual artist, maybe it's time to step back from the mural, put, put your favorite pieces, the pieces you feel great about, um, and just examine them. Give them some time, reflection, look for the patterns. You know, what are the, what are the things about these pieces of work um, that really feel authentic? Um, that's really powerful to me. And then step away, meaning is it time to really stop making stuff for a minute? I feel like for creative people, especially when you're climbing the mountain um, and you're not really anywhere that you want to be, stopping can feel so scary. But I really feel like um, sometimes the most productive thing you can do is stop production. And so um, I just want to give you, I guess in that way that that's this part of really stepping away it's not so much tactical like you know that you can do this um but just as a creative friend um as your creative samwise gamgee is that his name i'm going to use lord of the rings quotes or <laughs> references in every episode and i'm never going to update my knowledge of lord of the rings so you all can just all you crazy l-o-t-r fans can just uh, cringe through every episode until you just quit because you can't take anymore. But I'll be your creative Samwise Gamgee, all right? Um, and I'm just going to give you permission to step away and pause because, you know, in the success in the long term might be the game changer. Uh I'm going to switch it up here in live time. I'm going to go to, to, to the last one, but we'll call it number two. And that is uh, meet your needs. Uh, number two is, you know, one thing I've learned about, we've learned about making these murals is that um, 
that all the materials, all the setup, making sure that we have everything that we need to succeed is do or die. It's a game changer all the way down from, you know, if we're doing a big tall wall, like doing it on ladders is going to make it take twice as long and, and be half as good as if we have scaffolding. Um, we can hammer out a wall with scaffolding, like a massive wall um, that would take us way longer with ladders, and we can do a better job um, because we just have so much more mobility and, and flexibility and all kinds of abilities. We got all the abilities. Dude, I was going to try to come up with a cool song, <laughs> but I don't think that's why you're listening to this podcast. Um. But anyway, that's one of the things we learned. And, you know, one of the things we've learned is the way the walls are prepared and primed, like a wall that's really smooth, um, that doesn't, that's not very porous, is we can, we've found that we can draw a mural in half the amount of time. If the wall is really scratchy and it's junk, jacking up the markers and it's, and it's catching and it, it'll take us twice as long to draw the same mural. And so that's a thing, that's a thing we've considered. Another thing we considered early on was like, originally we were going to draw it with um with uh, uh paint brushes and we decided to go with these paint markers and it meant that we could control the line quality and and make something that looked printed and finished uh without crazy quality control in terms of you know brush strokes and all that and so setting taking the time to make sure you've got what you need before you get started um, is a complete game changer and when it comes to taking care of yourself when it comes to treating your career like a marathon and not a sprint that means doing all the right stretches making sure you've prepared making sure you've got everything that you need uh, to succeed in the long term and that means taking care of yourself you know, one of the things that um, that I notice whenever I go on vacation with my in-laws um, is that, you know, I, don't get hung up on how you feel about, I feel like anytime anyone talks about introverts versus extroverts, there's just a lot of feelings about. Um, <laughs> I think that, you know, I don't know, I'm both. I'm, look, we all need people and we all need time alone. Uh, but it looks different for different people. So for my uh, in-laws and my wife, um, they all crave people time, social time, being around each other. They want to soak up as much of that as they can. And if I'm not careful and active about getting what I need, I won't have any alone time. And what happens when I don't have alone time is it doesn't manifest in my brain rationally saying, Andy, I think you need a little alone time. You seem a little bit uh, run it like you're running on empty. It doesn't do that at all. It's uh, it, because it's a feeling that my brain is trying to interpret um, what it actually feels like. It feels like insecurity. It feels like um, being emotional. It feels like being defensive. It can turn into feeling judgmental about the people I'm on. It, it it's actually just um, that that running empty um, ends up just hurting my ability to think straight, and I get really um, bent out of shape and emotional. And it's taken me time to realize that those feelings that means you just haven't had any time alone. You just haven't had, you haven't got what you need to be at your best. And I've had to just learn 
These are the things that get me at my best. This is, these are the things that fill me up. And I think it's, um, I think it's the same for, or I think it's different for everybody. And, uh, and so, you know, as you're going through your career and you're having all these emotional ups and downs and, and all these thoughts that are interpreting your emotional ups and downs, I think it's really important to not believe everything that you think, right? Have you heard that phrase before? Because your, your brain's going to try to interpret these emotions rationally, but emotions aren't rational. Emotions are um, usually a result of something. Um, but it's, but we're not always the best at interpreting what they mean or what they are. Um, and I think the best solution is just figuring out what is a, what is a healthy diet of, you know, people time, you know, time looking at inspiration and getting inspired and, and healthy amount of time working and a healthy time, um, connecting with others and, and just figure out what your diet, you know, for me, here's the thing. Listen to me, breakfast people. I'm going to call you out right now. Guess what? All this freaking data, all these studies that say breakfast, the most important part of the day, those freaking studies were backed by Kellogg's. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying breakfast doesn't mean crap. You don't. <laughs> and actually, there came a time where. I don't know any of that. I, I do know that recently they have discovered that breakfast is probably not as important as we thought it was. But just relax, breakfast people. I know you are freaking breakfast people are a militant group of people. I'm talking to you, Tim Lampy, uh, <laughs> and Sophie, my wife, who hates that I'm so anti-breakfast. She's crazy about breakfast. Uh, <laughs> is this a breakfast podcast? Or is this the content you're looking for? Um, <laughs> here's why I'm telling you this. Because... Uh, I, I eat very light for breakfast. And the reason is, is because I don't listen to what I'm told. I'm not, I've learned as I got, I've gotten older to do what I need and quit doing what other people tell me I need. And so one of the things that would happen is, you know, I struggle with, uh, overeating. Like, uh, I've been on a diet for a few years. I've lost 60 or 70 pounds, something like that. Um, and the key, the real key was understanding who I was and what I need and to quit listening to the so-called experts. Um, and that meant I don't eat that much in the morning. I don't eat that much at lunch when I'm hungriest is in the evening. And I know every expert says, don't do that. Well, listening to them uh, got me into a very unhealthy state. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm not telling you to do anything dangerous. I'm just saying that um, in order to be at your best, in order to finish your masterpiece and give it everything you've got in the, in the best you, you, you can't always look to others outside of you. Um, for expertise and you can't always even believe everything you think you need to you need to slowly but surely figure out what it looks like when are you at your best what are the behaviors and things that you do when you're most inspired most productive most healthy and make sure you eat a balanced diet of those things does that make sense to you and say look breakfast experts i've never been healthier and you can stick it Damn you, Tim Lampy, and your breakfast. <laughs> Only a few of you guys know who, what, what I'm talking about there. Um, okay, last one, and then we're going to wrap it up. 
number three, the thing you got to do, you got to quit comparing your mural to other people's postcards. All right. Um, and this one's coming from the bottom of my heart. It comes from real conversations that I've had, real emotions that I've had, um, a massive stumbling block for, uh, giving yourself over to the making the best mural, making the best masterpiece of a creative career over a lifetime is comparison. You know, they say um, when you're online looking at Instagram, you're comparing your bloopers, you know, your everyday experience to people's highlights. Like people are sharing their highlights and you're comparing that to your everyday game days, right? With the bloopers and the mistakes and the hardships and the fails. You're comparing all of all of your knowledge to their highlights. And uh, and and that becomes really tricky and it becomes a massive uh, discouragement and distraction. And uh, one of the things that, here's what it looks like in my, um, in my creative career. Uh, it looks like, okay, so here's how I'll explain it. If you're going to do your best purpose, your art, what your mural is really supposed to look like, you're going to have to really give it your all and you can't give it your all if you're only half-hearted about your art and uh and i think a lot of it comes down to believing and owning your art and this is what i mean so like four years ago i don't know how many years ago it is guys i always end up telling you how many years my history my timeline is all jacked up i can't keep track of what year it is let alone what day it is so whatever when i say it's four years ago just assume it was some time ago uh, years ago <laughs> we'll go with that i uh i i had the i i feel like okay you've got your front burner and your back burner your front burner is like 70 percent of your time it's the things that you have to do to keep the lights on it's what it's what used to be on your back burner you know college, like, you know, whatever you wanted to move into, whatever you wanted to make your full-time thing, um, your past decisions decide what you're going to be focused on today to keep the lights on. So your front burner, 70% of your time, it's the stuff that you do to earn your money. And uh, then you have your back burner. You have what you'd eventually like to put on the front burner. And this is your side projects. This is, uh, you know, the stuff that you'd like to move into next. And uh, you don't, you only get, you know, 20% of your time or something. I don't know what the math is. It's a lot of numbers, 70, 20, seven, two. That's another number uh, that you, you have your back burner, right? So um, I was, I was doing, I was a full-time illustrator a few years ago. And, uh, and I was thinking about what my side projects were, my, my back burner stuff. And I was focused on both kids books, writing and illustrating kids books, and also doing the podcast creative pep talk. And, um, and I came to a point where I realized I couldn't give both of those things the attention they needed to eventually get them into the front burner that I was going to have to put one in a crock pot put one on the side, let it stew for a little bit and move, maybe come back to it later. Um, and I was evaluating whether it was going to be kids books or podcasts. And I realized that at the time, 
my heart was really in the podcast and that my um, and that was where all the momentum and, and growth was happening. It was clearly the right choice. And yet I had uh, I was unable to let go of pursuing kids books and, uh, and and do what I needed to do. And I kind of figured out what it was. Uh, it was that kids books really felt like art to me, you know, like capital A art. Um, and podcasts seemed like trashy, you know, marketing, like throwaway garbage, you know, kids books felt like, uh, the, the art that's in the gallery, the painting and postcard and and podcast seems like postcards in the gift shop. It just didn't, you know, kids books had these prestigious awards that the Caldecott, you know, these people that were celebrated and, and, and seen as like visionary geniuses. And then podcasting seemed like something that, um, dirty marketers would do, or, you know, um, just like, uh, I don't know. It just didn't seem to have any of the clout, uh, that you want to spend, you know, you want to live your life doing stuff that, that feels important, that feels worthwhile, that feels like it makes a difference. You don't want to do stuff that's just postcards in the gallery. Right. Um, and so, and I guess it's kind of like my analogy. If we want to go back to it, like the, uh, the podcast seemed like you could make a really good postcard and the, and the kids book seemed like you could make a, a, beautiful, gorgeous lifetime of making picture books in it. And we look back at people like Dr. Seuss and, um, and, uh, what's his name? Oh, Marie Sendak. And, and we just celebrate these people. We think, man, visionary geniuses. We don't have that for podcasts. And that was stopping me from, from, from really doing the podcast in this moment. I really believe this was the central catalytic uh, moment in the podcast transcending on another level. And it's when I realized that no matter what people say, and no matter what other murals and masterpieces, other kids book makers are making or, or whatever, um, to me, podcast could be my mural. Podcast could be my art and I could, and it could be my poetry. It could be what I spend my life pursuing. And even if nobody else ever thinks that podcasts are art, they'll be art to me. And when I owned my own mural and I quit comparing it to other people's, uh, this magical thing happened when I started seeing it as art. And I tell you, I really believe that's when the podcast got good. So I was like, this is my art. I'm going to give myself to this thing. I'm going to make it, I'm going to pour my heart into it because it's art. You can't make heart without art, (laughs) right? (laughs) Golly. Um, but, but it's true. And, and one of the things I see when I'm talking to people is I feel like um, there's always all this uh, explanation and justification of why they're not doing, um, you know, their original dream or why they're not doing uh, the art of their of their childhood dreams or why they're not doing, um, you know, forward facing important art and why what they're focused on really is cool, even though it doesn't seem like it. And all of that junk, all of that jazz where you're comparing your art to other people's, uh, will cause you to, um, confuse yourself and not give your 100% 
to your art. Your art might be running a company. Your poetry might be running a school. Your, uh, your art might be business strategy. Your art might be managing a restaurant. You know, honestly, when someone sees the art of managing a restaurant, you feel the, the majesty, the beauty, you feel it when you walk into that space and you just all of a sudden feel calm because everything's running as it's supposed to and it's a gift to you when someone owns their art, even if no one else sees it as art. And so I want to just encourage you in this episode, one of the biggest things I want to leave you with, if you don't hear anything else, is your art, you taking your art seriously and treating it as poetry Like we need that gift, even if people in your life don't respect it. And even if it doesn't look shiny, you know, sometimes I'll get into a place where I'm like, man, my art is pretty sweet. Look at this art. It's amazing. And then I'll listen to podcasts and, uh, you know, with celebrities and, 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 uh, and screenwriters and whatever. And these, they're doing this giant art, this giant, you know, millions of dollars and celebrities and fancy stuff. And the stakes are high. And I'll be just like, not just humbled, but kind of humiliated by the care and attention that I give my art, that I give my podcast, that I give my illustration. It feels like so stupid that I would see it as this poetic art. And it's that kind of crappy humiliation and comparison that will distract you, that will keep you from doing your art to the best of its ability to be, to make it the gift it really is, to really half-ass your mural. And uh, I want to encourage you to own your art, whatever it is. We need it. And don't wait. Don't, don't compare it to other people's art for validation. Um, all right. I've beat that point into your freaking skull in every possible angle. Let's move on. Um, th- so those are the main things. Step back. Step away. Give you a little tactical practical in there. Uh, we talked about breakfast. We talked about Lord of the Rings. That's something I always want to check off in every episode. We've <laughs> we've fully done, done it. Uh, we've you know um, insulted breakfast eaters and Lord of the Rings fans. Um, so yeah, I think we're pretty much wrapped up. But really, it's step away, step back, step away. Make sure you're meeting your needs. Make sure you got everything you need for your mental health, for your, um, you know, your back. Make sure you got a good chair. Make sure you're thinking long term. You know, maybe you need to get a standing desk. And then we talked about quit comparing your mural to other people's postcards. Here's the thing about that. Just because I can't shut up about it. Uh, if, if you compare your mural to other people's postcards, you're going to get discouraged because it's really easy to do a pixel-perfect postcard. I know I said that at the beginning, but I'm going to say it again. It's easy to make the perfect postcard. But a mural, you're going to have mistakes. You're going to have, you know, but but the thing is, it's so big. It's such a big endeavor. Um, there's so much room for mistakes and cover-up. Uh, it's okay. But if you're trying to make it as good as someone else's tiny little piece of work, you're never, you're going to get so you know, against the wall and so lack of perspective, um, you're not going to possibly do your best work and you're not going to be able to give yourself to this thing over the long term. You can't work on a mural with the intensity that you might design a postcard um, because you're going to burn out. And uh, I just want to end on that note. Hold on a second. I'm going to just take a drink of coffee. Um... 
and just end with something kind of serious. You know, that's kind of my style in a lot of episodes. Um, <clears throat> so, I told you that this episode is inspired by the fragility of the creative mind and the creative soul and that, you know, a lot of us are sensitive and it's our gift and it's our curse. Um, and, uh, so I was listening to, um, Mark Marin this week with the WTF podcast and, uh, he had the writer, I think it's like a biography writer of Robin Williams on who has a new book and, uh, they played, man, getting choked up already. <laughs> um, they played, uh, an interview from 2010 uh, with Robin Williams and uh, you know Robin Williams in that episode they're talking about they kind of quickly skirt over the fact that Robin had had suicidal thoughts before and uh, you know if you don't know I'm sure you do you know Robin Williams was a giant of comedy and acting and, and stand up uh, you know uh, I'm not even going to bore you with all the references. You know this guy, and you know that he committed suicide. He had some really severe mental, um, not just mental health issues, but it seemed like there was a disease involved that kind of um, maybe made this unavoidable, this suicide. But I feel like <sighs> you're always hearing about another creative person that's created that uh, that has committed suicide. And I've told you on this podcast before that when I was in high school that I'd had a lot of uh, suicidal thoughts and that I wanted to be outright about that for anybody that might be struggling with that. Um, and uh, listen to this interview with Robin Williams and, and, and already feeling the fragility of creative people and the weight of that on my shoulders. I know it's not on my shoulders, but I know a lot of... Uh, I know a lot of you listeners struggle. It's a it's a struggle living a creative life, and I feel for you. And I just want to tell you something in light of all of this, that um, it doesn't matter how perfect and meticulous and 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 time and energy you put into your little postcard size part of your mural. That uh, it doesn't matter how good that is and how how brightly you burn on that and how how much you push to make that thing uh, amazing uh, if you don't finish your mural like it doesn't uh, an unfinished mural is is uh, uh, you know <clears throat> we see so many creative career murals go unfinished and it doesn't matter how brilliant the finished part is the whole thing is marked a tragedy when you don't finish it and so if you are beating yourself up if you are pushing yourself so hard that it's unsustainable if you're sprinting in this marathon please stop and I think like the whole, uh, you know, the albums that get released after a uh, after a musician has died, 
you know, collecting unfinished tracks. It's like the unfinished mural. They're never the masterpiece that the person envisioned. And uh, I, I guess in this episode, I just wanna, I just wanna love on you guys. I just wanna connect with you guys. You know, I think especially as creative professionals, we have to get really good at putting all the feelings on the back burner and pretending like we're not sensitive to show up in the in the meetings and be big business people. And sometimes I go into those spaces and I just say, guys, I know the secret. I know that you're actually totally emo. And uh, I just want to, I just want to, you know, as you know, we've had a few more creative, we've lost a few more good creatives recently. And there's this uh, video circulating that BuzzFeed made a few years ago about this guy who survived um, a suicide attempt jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. And they talk about how every person that's, that's been polled, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know the exact statistic, but it, but from what I remember, every person that's been pulled from that had tried to commit suicide, that um, that survived when they jumped off the bridge, uh, had regretted it on the way down. And even if you're not suicidal, even if you're, um, you know, whatever you are. I don't want you to push so hard and 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 works get your you know face so close to the to the wall that you end up having to give up later in your life and uh, and and move into something else and 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 uh, and and leave your best work in the past. So that's my uh, that's that's the episode. That's what I want to share with you today. I want to encourage you. You know, you got a long time. You got a whole mural to work on. Don't get so obsessed with getting every brushstroke right. Like when a thing is this big, you can hide a lot of mistakes. They got a lot of time. There's time to step back. There's time to step away. Quit comparing yourself. Make sure you got your needs met. I just want to quickly, because I know it's real heavy. I'm sorry. It was so heavy this week. I have a series planned. It's all about marketing. It's all about side projects and fun stuff coming up. Okay, stick with me. It's <laughs> We're going to not focus on this every single episode, but it just felt timely. It just felt like I was heavy on my heart. I'm loving you guys. I'm feeling for you. I know it can be really hard. And uh, I want to give you two little resources just to do my due diligence. The National Suicide Prevention Line. Um, 1-800-273-8255 I will put the link in the show notes as well if you're feeling all those feelings and um, you don't have anybody to talk to you can't afford going to therapy or whatever it is um, call that number Get get just talk to somebody take a step back um, before you uh, make those calls or impulsive decisions and then also um, I haven't used it directly but I've looked at it psychology today um, it's supposed to be really great. They have a find a therapist thing where you can put in your um, city, zip code, whatever, and you can look through all these rated, um, reviewed, and, and um, certified therapists. So if you can afford that, um, you think that's something you need, get what you need. Um, 
finish your mural. Uh, go, go, you go check that out. Psychologytoday.com/us/therapists, and there's a cool um, uh, thing you can use there. Um, so, yeah. So, thanks for listening. If you love Creative Pep Talk and it's had an impact on your creative career, there's a few ways you can support the show. You can review the show on iTunes, back the podcast financially at Patreon.com/slash/CreativePepTalk, or get some Creative Pep Talk merch on. Uh, June 26th, the shop's going to open back up at creativepeptalk.com slash shop. You can also access the first 100 episodes of the show and stay up to date with new shows by signing up to the uh, newsletter at creativepeptalk.com. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Nate Utesh and the band Metavari for other tunes. Thanks to Alex Sugg uh, for editing the show and providing other tunes that make this thing sound so beautifully. Thanks also uh, to my um, friends and family that uh, get me everything I need to show up and do this, especially massive shout out to Sophie. Um, You know, Sophie is really a big part of the Creative Pep Talk team. Uh, She um, helps me with the shop and uh, and helps me manage the whole thing and and gets me everything I need uh, as a partner in, in life and work to be able to show up and do this every week and you know she's just someone behind the scenes that you don't know is deeply involved and invested in the team and um, as we grow you know I think we're gonna just do a bunch of things that make all this jazz more official because creative pep talk has grown to be something I never dreamed it would be Um, so big thanks to Sophie even though she doesn't she'll never know (laughs) that Um, so until next week guys get whatever you need Um, you're no matter how small it seems, seriously, you know, inconsequential to others, you know what your art is. You you know what you're here to do. You know that it's important, and you need to quit comparing your post, your your uh, your mural to their postcards, and, uh, and do whatever you got to do to stay pepped up. Mm-hmm.